Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's uh, weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Week and co-editor of PW Comics World. Uh, check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Um, before we get started uh, this week uh, with uh, my guests, we're going to be talking with uh, Ron Wimberly. I want to read just a little bit of, of a passage from Prince of Cats. Uh, remember back in the day, niggas wore waves, gazelle shades, corn braids, dueled aplenty, but never ended deadly. They wore dull blades and kept it friendly, even though enemy. Fast forward from 1983 to wet steel corners with new mutiny. In Brooklyn Babel, where we lay our scene, here hood-born youth, adolescent addled, spill civil blood, make civil hands unclean. Traded rattles for father's swords and battled, saddled with their parents' spiteful legacy, love its collateral casualty. A thin line is blurred, a child interred, to redeem American dreams deferred. Ron Wimberly, thanks uh, for coming on. More to come. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, um, I, you know, I've been hearing about your work for for years. I think I, I met you before, but I I remember it specifically when we were on that panel mm-hmm. at the yeah. uh, Brooklyn Book Festival. And your face was familiar when I saw you, but yeah, we I'm around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm around. But um, uh, it was really great to get a chance to to hear you talk about your work, and so this is really uh, great to get a chance to, for you to talk with our, our podcast audience. Uh, in particular, I want to remind the, tell the audience that one of the things that was really terrific about the Brooklyn Book Festival is that I almost had to stop people from asking you questions. <laughs> I mean, we had a, a whole panel of great cartoonists, and no disrespect to any of them, but uh, really, uh, your book at the time, uh, Prince of Cats, uh, as well as your knowledge about old school hip hop, uh, and the audience that we had there in Brooklyn, yeah, who yeah. it's a good chunk of people there, <laughs> yeah. really to see you. They, yes. I'm sure they were interested. In it was a great panel. James Romberg was yeah, on it. Romberg Peter Cooper, yeah. uh, uh, Colleen Duran. So we really had a, a fabulous group. But uh, the folks was well, kind of there to talk, to talk to you. Granted, those cats <laughs> have been around a little bit longer, so I'm sure people had questions answered already. Well, I, I, that was my first time doing that particular festival. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, uh, it's, uh, I'm on the, actually the the, uh, the graphic novel steering committee for Brooklyn Festival, and I got oh, wow. a shout out to Meg Lemke, who's the yeah. chairperson, uh, who does a fabulous job. I mean, she does the heavy lifting, and I'm around as well as the other people on our committee, uh, Karen Green and oh. Matt Madden. All great people. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I think Matt and Jessica might have been the first people to mention your name. Oh, to me. wow. Man, I, I'm mad because I wanted to go see them in uh, Angoulême. This, uh, uh, right. Well, interesting. Just, uh, We're covering Angoulême for the first time. Heidi McDonald what? is going to be has just left to go over there. Oh, She's going to be covering it for PW as I'm well as Bridget Alverson, who's going to be doing some stuff over there. So <laughs> I, I've never been either. So uh, I, I'm jealous too. Well, I'm going to get there one of these years. Mm. Um, but uh, well, I got so much more I want to talk to you about. Um, but let's. Uh, First of all, though, uh, could you give us some background? Because you're from D.C., mm-hmm. which is, uh, I should introduce you as, as one of my homies as well, because oh, yeah. I'm from Washington, D.C. <laughs> all right, well, I'm uh, from, uh, like, Southeast Anacostia. Like, yeah, right. I, I, you, I, go on. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, like, I don't even know if it's still there, but Bernie 
like Bernie Middle School or not? I, mean, school, I know junior, of it. I'm I'm elementary. I'm a lot older than you. Uh, from another <laughs> different, you know, I grew up in the 1960s. You oh, know, okay, wow. and I, you know, I'm 62 years old. Okay. So I grew up in the 1960s, and it was another world, mm. uh, a pre hip hop world mm. uh, in in Washington D.C. So, but uh, you know, I grew up uh, in Northwest D.C. I really grew up all over the city. I grew up in Northwest, went to Eastern High School. And eventually to Howard University. Oh wow! Okay. So like the total awesome. DC experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 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 uh, but uh, you're uh, from, from Southeast. I yeah. passed through Southeast. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's where I started. But we left pretty early. So by the time mm-hmm. I was like a teenager, I was living in uh, different parts of Maryland, Silver Spring, you know, like Gaithersburg, uh, mm-hmm. and then eventually my mom settled down in uh, like Rockville. Mm-hmm. And that's where I went to high school, but I went to private school my entire life. So, and what school um, did you? What, what was that? What was oof. private school? I went to National Christian. I went to a, a many. Oh, right? oh yeah. okay. National yeah. Christian Academy is where I started out, and then finally at Montrose uh, Baptist. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, Montrose. I went to uh, I went I went to all public schools though uh, at the time, and this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended. I went to Jefferson Junior High School. Which in those years, uh, in the '60s, were as this sort of enclave. Uh, I mean, when I was in D.C., it was like 70 percent black. Mm. You know, it's back down to about 60 now. Mm, yeah. Uh, and you really, really was no. There were no white people in yeah. the school no, system. No, southeast there were no white and, people yeah. on the streets anywhere. Jefferson's in Southwest, mm. and it was kind of this enclave. Uh, they were sort of semi-integrated. So there was about it was about 60, 40 mm. black. That for DC in those years, yeah, that was like straight up integration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was a really interesting mm. kind of uh, private-like public school situation, and uh, so it was a very different experience. And then actually, uh, and I was out of my district. It was like it, everybody was pulling strings to move their kids around. But anyway, that's that's a whole other story. Um, but uh, uh, um, but I, I you you're the DC you grew up in may have been a little bit. Different, or the, the 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 suburban area may be a little more different than the years when I was in DC. Yeah, well, even I don't know Anacostia. Like, I was there. I remember. I remember when the train. I remember when the Green Line first got there. Yeah, well, uh, that's when I just about was about to leave DC. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, because at first when the subway I, first opened. At first, I I would leave. I would have to take a bus to get to school. But when the when the train finally got to Anacostia, I would take the Green Line mm-hmm. up to Rockville and then get on the Red Line and go right. up there. At that time, uh, I don't know what you mean by what it was like. <laughs> it was like looking back at the time, it didn't seem like it was bad at all. But like now, as an adult, I kind of see. I guess I have a more broad sense of what different communities are like and mm-hmm. what they're going through. You know, so and even Maryland. I mean, Gaithersburg was pretty, pretty weird. Yeah. It's funny, like looking back on it. DC was a lot more nourishing to me, you know, to my soul and to my intellect than, you know, say a Gaithersburg was, mm. you know, like, so getting out of the city and getting to the suburbs was like, yeah. I mean, that's its own other book like that. It's a desert, you know, it's a desert. Yeah. Well, I grew up totally in the city and, um, you know, that's really all I knew. I mean, we, 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 you. we, ventured, well, <laughs> we ventured out, you know, for, for parties and whatnot, you know, mm. but it really wasn't, uh, you know, where, where, where I spent my time, but but what, when did comics come into your uh, your perspective as like mm. something that you had to do or wanted to do or well, or had the sk- or had the skills to do? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't want to do comics. The first time uh, I actually started to draw 
comic book characters was um, after seeing my friend's comics. And that was after we had moved to, actually, we had moved to Gaithersburg. And one of my homies... Uh, so what years are we talking about here? So we get a sense. Damn, I must have been in the 6th or 7th grade. So I was born in 1979. What is 6th and 7th grade? Like, how old are you then? Uh, 6th and 7th grade. So yeah, that's like, uh, you're just heading into junior high school. So that's, what, like 13, 14? Yeah, something so like that? around... Yeah. Yeah, so I guess around 1993, yeah. 94. So it's like 14 yeah. or 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, the new new X-Men and all that stuff mm-hmm. was happening. So the 90s comics thing was happening. Mm-hmm. And those are the comics he had. And then that was my first time going to a comic book store. And I remember seeing, like, Grendel versus Batman. Mm. And, like, I was like, yo, this is great. And, like, <laughs> all of the sort of salacious, you know, suggestive half-naked women and x-men and stuff and like you know when you're going you're at that age it's like you know all of this vibrant provocative imagery just sort of captured me a bit and so you know i was drawing a little something here a little something there but not really doing anything narrative wise until i got to school i think the first time i even tried to make a real comic like panel to panel was in college yeah yeah yeah. but you obviously knew you had Drawing skills. Oh yeah, I used to draw yeah. all the time. Yeah, I yeah. used to draw like, um, you know, I liked Warner Brothers, like Looney Tunes. I liked, um, you know, I drew X Men characters, but it was because I was playing uh, Marvel superheroes. Yeah. Like, you know, my friends yeah. would be like, "Yo, draw Juggernaut," yeah. and I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll draw Juggernaut." Yeah, yeah but yeah. comics. You know, I actually got into indie comics before I got into mainstream comics. Just That's to reason. Yeah, I was reading non like you know that uh, mm-hmm. book that um Jesus, what's his name? Yeah, I'm, I it escapes me too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but that's right. Yeah, I was reading none. I was reading mm-hmm. like well, I had picked up that Grendel. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the things that were kind of like it was fun because it was almost it was it was not it was sophisticated. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it yeah. spoke to me. And like I remember um, uh, David shows I, I believe like slow jams or whatever. It was like it was about this dude with a bad job like running around like having a crush on a girl like you know he was he's korean so like having a crush yeah. on a girl who i think was also korean but she was a black dude and like hearing him speak frankly about how he was vexed about that yeah. was like dope <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah from that point i was like i started to think okay comics can be more than what i've seen it yeah yeah you know what i mean like this is a sincere well it's course. interesting to hear that i mean i started out uh, as a superhero mm. kid but i you know i came in the 60s i really the classic Marvel is mm-hmm. what I was a DC fan that discovered Marvel comics about 1964, mm-hmm. 65, and I was like completely. But Marvel just blew me away. They mm-hmm. were so much better than the corresponding DC comics at the mm-hmm. time. It's, it's hard to even describe how much better they were. Uh, and I mean, when you look back, a lot of those comics, I mean, they had some corny elements to it. I mean, these are the great, uh, the great years of like, the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. when they really. Were. Not 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 really the initial ones, but later on, particularly in the late '60s, as mm-hmm. they as it be, really became what we know to be the Fantastic Four. But it wasn't until really, well, it wasn't in the '70s when I discovered the underground comics mm-hmm. that I started realizing there was something else out there. Well, but the no. '70s underground was something completely different than what it was like in the '90s. Uh, there were like well, two yeah, different yeah, underground yeah, sort of different. movements. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was I'm I'm really talking about you know Zap Comics mm, and, right. and and the stuff that was coming out of San Francisco. And, you know, R. Crumb and Spain Rodriguez. And then as I got to New York, and I kind of stopped reading comics for a while. 
uh, and because this is getting too much about me. But <laughs> but by the time I got to New York in the early '80s, uh, I was reading Love and Rockets, mm. and that and I discovered them basically after I got here. That completely changed my whole world. But but let's get let's get yeah, back yeah, yeah. to your your world. Um, so by the time you got into college is when you first started about, thought about making comics. Yeah, that's when I first started to make comics because I was, you know, I wanted to tell stories. Um, I didn't have a, I didn't have a real idea. Like when I first got, it was my first experience with art school when mm-hmm. I got to college. So like, so I what, what school did you go to? Pratt. With the Pratt. Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So I didn't even know, I didn't even know what I was going to do with my skills. Mm-hmm. I just knew that, you know, I was terrible at school. The best thing I could do was draw and tell stories. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I was, you know. Um, I I love to write. I really didn't even have an idea of how writing could be something I could do. Like, I didn't think I could be an author. So those things kind of snowballed into me being a comic book artist rather late in my school career, too. Like, I met this professor, Floyd Hughes, and, like, he put me onto a bunch of stuff. He put a lot of comics in front of me that I hadn't seen before, and, like... You just, know, yeah, I saw THB. When I saw THB, oh, I was well, let's like, tell. We can talk yeah. about Paul Pope all oh, day man. long. Yeah, when I saw THB, I was like, okay, so that spoke <laughs> to my ego. You feel me? Like that spoke to my ego. I was like, okay, I could be a rock star in comics. Okay, I'll <laughs> comics. You know, but before that, it was like I didn't see anything on a creator level mm. that really spoke to me. Like here was a dude who had like the swagger of like an MC. You know what I mean? Like he was in. The pictures, like, drawn and, you know, like, talking about other artists, like, bringing that academic level into it, like, sure. in his comics, you know? Sure, sure. Like, you know. Making manifestos out of Yeah, making manifestos. Yeah. You know, and that was cool because that also meant to me, even though I didn't realize that the books I, I was reading were already, like, five and ten years yeah. old, right? Yeah. And but, he had, like, already done them over. Right, he right, had, like, right. redone the story two yeah, or three yeah, times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though I didn't realize that, I felt like, oh, I'm coming in on the ground level. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the language of manga spoke to me, too, because uh-huh. really... The key element. Yeah, really, even back when I was, you know, I was into anime... I was like a first adopter for my mm-hmm. generation. You know, mm-hmm. like I was getting the dubs from like uh-huh. the weird markets and stuff. <laughs> and I was getting new types. And I was uh-huh. reading comics that weren't in English. I wasn't really reading them. So manga was like, yo, apple seed. All that stuff yeah, was yeah, like yeah. my first sort yes. of love. And I would occasionally pick up an American comic. And it would probably be like, I don't know. It would be it would be Grendel. Like Grendel was mm-hmm. all I read first, first off. It was just like, here's a dude... He's conceited. He's a little bit self-loathing. And the great idea about it that I thought was better than Batman is that he died and then someone else became Grendel. Like, I thought that was so mm-hmm. dope. You know, like, his idea was so strong, it didn't matter yeah. if yeah, he, yeah. he was alive or not. And as a kid, that really spoke to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I'm definitely, uh, um, I mean, I, I, I encountered uh, Paul Pope, mm. you know, after I got to New York. And he also changed mm. my notion of of what comics could be, you mm-hmm. know, and he could, he's continuing to do it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got incredible stuff coming up now. He's got this, this redone Escapo, you know, that's coming out. Oh, a whole really? ver- new revised issue of, of version, a uh, bunch of new pages, wow. full color. Someone stole my issue of Escapo. Uh, I've, I've got one of the original ones, yeah. but now, and I've got the digital now. I've got it because I'm going to write something about it. But that's oh, another cool. story. We can go off on too many tangents here. So. <laughs> So, uh, well, I, I, I wanted to give a little background, but I, I, I also want to I want to jump into Prince of Cats before we go on. Now, you've done some you've done other work before Prince of Cats mm. is really terrific. I guess the other thing that really jumped out at me was 
sentences with mm. uh, with uh, Percy Carey, Mr. Grimm, yeah. uh, and your. Uh, your 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 passionate connection with hip hop. Mm. Uh, I mean, hip hop was is is a, was an acquired uh, taste for me mm. as a guy coming out of a you know I grew up in a Motown era, mm. uh, and later becoming you know real kind of a jazz head. Mm. Uh, uh, an old girlfriend used to call me the jazz condescending, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she uh, referred oh, to wow. my cognoscenti role yeah. from time to time. <laughs> Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, I learned to love it. And my brother's a hip hop mm. rapper. My brother, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the kid in play. Oh yeah, uh, Christopher Reed. Oh wow, okay. The kid is my brother. Yes, yes, yes. Well, the world knows today. Uh, so know is it. that why there's so much go go in like kid and play records? You know, not you know, not really because you know we were very we grew up really apart mm. because uh, we had the same father, mm. different mother, and he actually grew up here in New York, oh, and okay. I grew up you know in DC okay. uh, with, with Go Go. So I, I don't know about that actually, wow. you know. So that's a good that's a good point. I have mm. to bring it up to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, um, but yes, uh, uh, the work he did on sentences. Mm. I mean, that was really kind of a breakthrough book for me to really see uh, a really straight up biography. Uh, terrific art and with an amazing story. Mm. I mean, because Percy's story is pretty much amazing no, and no, still playing out now yeah. as he do, does new mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So, but m maybe you can just talk a little bit about you know going from something like sentences mm. to Prince of Cats. And mm. How do you can you do that or or just yeah, take sure. them one at a time? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't as much a it wasn't that crazy of a transition because it's like after I finished sentences, you know, I was just hungry every ever since i started i just wanted to write and draw comics you know mm -hmm. so like um to have the opportunity to work to have the opportunity to cut my teeth you know working with uh percy and also casey sejas which was like the editor on the project mm -hmm. which is like a great dude to have to have the opportunity to work with these people on something that was important to me uh like as a story and in representing uh the culture was great because mm -hmm. like I you know I was waiting like I had done I think yeah, before what year was this like, like 2007 or so mm, no I remember it must have come out in 2006 or 2005 something like that okay yeah yeah Wait, just get it so um, maybe out. 2006 mm -hmm. um, I had done like a few fill-ins for for Vertigo and like some covers and stuff and you know like I, I was cool I was having a little bit of fun you know um, but I was like let me let me do something. I feel like as for me, one of my greatest fears is like I wanna there are stories that I, I feel need to be told. Like I don't wanna waste my time telling stories that have already been told. You mm. know? Now, I mean that sounds maybe that sounds silly, but like it's it's been a burden for me and it's really shaped the type of work that I, that I end up resigning to take. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It so sounds ambitious, is yeah. what it sounds like. Well, Which you so, should be. <laughs> you know, so, like, when Sentences came out, I was amped. Like, mm -hmm. when I had the opportunity, like, I think it came from actually um, a conversation I had with Casey about Monster Island Zars, and I really liked the record. Mm -hmm. And so he put me on, man. He gave me a chance. Like, um, there were some Did kids. they already have the book project and were looking for an artist, or did... Uh, yeah. 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 Uh -huh. I mean... Yo, I mean, I got I got to thank Casey for taking a chance on me because like I don't know if I really uh if I really had shown that I I could handle that book, but he put me on and like you know, I rose to the occasion 
and yeah. you know I still look back on those pages as like you know it's like seeing your it's like seeing yourself learn how to do something yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah so but th- this it, but it was also a tremendous you know uh, really history mm. of hip hop yeah I mean besides being the story of, of mm. Percy Carey's life I mean well yeah, that is the history I mean which is in, indeed the history of hip hop. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a natural transition to go from creating that work mm. to doing something like Prince of Cats. Yeah, no, it's, I th- I think so. You know, like it's it's kind of more like a magical, you know, weird sort of abstraction of it. But yeah, it's the, you know, um, oops. I uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't that crazy of a transition. The biggest transition was knowing that the script would be uh, my responsibility and also sort of organizing. Um, what help I was gonna have, if any, you know, like in terms of the coloring and like the design. You did almost everything. You did the color. You did the. You yeah, I did wrote a, it. Yeah, I had some assistance. I had like uh, I had like flatting assistance from my friends. Uh, I believe Jordan Haley helped me out. Jordan Haley did the design mm-hmm. of like say like the uh, M M papers, like mm-hmm. some of the graphic design here. Like he helped me do like some of the original lettering. He did this. Yeah, that's yeah. a great. Yeah, yeah, great so, lettering um, in it throughout yeah yeah so uh and on lettering on the inside was um jared uh uh fletcher so Uh yeah um yeah and joe cuomo helped me too but like yeah for the most part so why why uh why shakespeare why romeo and juliet Mm. how did you respond how'd you respond to it i mean my whole question i'll say this i mean because i'm not a shakespeare expert Mm. I've always kind of, I mean, I, I can appreciate Shakespeare, but, you know, I'm, I was forced to read it at school. Uh, going to plays, I have problems. But, you know, this book, you know, I really connect with Prince of Cats. It mm. really, and you know, obviously in some ways because, you know, it's this black adaptation, but also just the poetry of what you've been able to do by mm. com, com, combining the colloquial with the sort of timeless classic work mm. and, and making it relevant. To a whole new world, uh, but but but, but, yeah, but mean, tell me, I'm fans of all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason why is it was a convergence of hustle and interest. <laughs> you know, like I had uh, an epiphany about like my old my own childhood and like kind of growing up. Like I've always I've always been sort of one of the things I deal with is mitigating guilt about like survivor's guilt you know mm. and thinking about um family and how i grew up and how privileged i have it mm. you know mm. and like i've meditated on those things a lot and one of the things i thought about was why you know like how could kids just put their lives in you know like an ice and i thought it was stupid and i remember in high school when I read Romeo and Juliet or whatever, I thought it was stupid. I was like, yeah. these kids are stupid, yeah. you know? And then I kind of had an epiphany one day when I started to really think about this character and think about this bloodthirsty character. And that kind of collided with my love. My first real experience in seeing Shakespeare was, um, was I think it was Ron. It was on, like, the Japanese channel mm-hmm. in Montgomery County. And, like, I saw that, and I was just watching it, waiting to see somebody, like, yeah. fight with swords, you know? Right, right. And then I ended up getting all the way through it. I'm like, wow, that was heavy, you know? Collided with that, 
collided with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead, mm-hmm. which was another great film that I loved. Um, I never got to see the play. Um, collided with, hey, well, I want to do a book. Um, there are all these crazy ideas I have, but like, who's going to say no to Shakespeare? Like, mm-hmm. if I can piggyback <laughs> on like the guy who, you know, you can say you don't like my writing. You can say it's cheesy. But, like, my writing's going to be in there, but Shakespeare's writing's going to be in there, too. <laughs> so, you know yeah. what I mean? So you got to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, it's like I walked in the door with the bard. I was like, okay, you know, help me sell this, you know? like cause, And he hooked you up. Yeah, he hooked me <laughs> up, man, from the grave, you know? So that was... Because well, we had to talk about the, the language. We keep jumping around. But maybe say a little bit about... The plot. I mean, what mm. was it about Romeo and Juliet that made this work? Because it's, I mean, as you mentioned before, mm. young people who seem to not be afraid or not to consider that they mm. that they're, they were throwing their lives away. Uh, man, I'm thirty five so years old. Let me tell you, man. When you when you find yourself when love hits you and you lose <laughs> something, you know, yeah. you lose you lose a person that you love. Sure. Like, it, you can think about that. You can yeah. be an old man. You sure. don't have to be Absolutely. young. You're right. So I think part of it was I didn't really even know. I didn't know love like that, and I didn't understand. I wasn't looking at youth from a little bit of distance, mm. you know? And, like, I think love connects your heart to that youthful feeling, too. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. it's a little irrational. And, like, these kids, man... You see it all the time. I mean, kids back when I they were they were putting their lives on the line too. Because like when I was a kid, there's all types of ways to die from yeah. <laughs> you know fucking. There was, was a gang scene when I was young in in uh, Anacostia and in Southeast, but I was not. I didn't really live there at that time. I've only heard of one gang from Washington D.C. and that's the U Street U's. But I, I imagine if there's like yeah, one street is, gang, there has to be another one. There, right? there was. Like, a, I mean, as <laughs> I've been told, like I said, I was because I had my own sort of black middle class privileged area, mm-hmm. you know. Because I, you know, I, I spent a lot. I, I ended up living actually off of Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Boulevard, but this was I was much older then, and it was a different kind of different change mm-hmm. near Saint E. Okay. St. Elizabeth. Okay, so, so up the street from where I was. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah so, like, St. Elizabeth's is, like, up yeah, the yeah. hill. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. I lived out there for a while. Um, this was much older, though. I was uh, I was in high school by then. Okay. Um, but my... Year? Huh? Like, oh. around when? This had to be... Late 1960s. This okay. must have been my family 60s. is deep over there, though. You must have met somebody must have been from my family. Sixty-eight or because yeah. I graduated from high school in 1970. Okay, wow. Okay, and uh, and then after, by that time, and when I went, when I finally went to Black Don't Crack, the, man. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Absolutely, absolutely. This is we're going back a few years here for me. Yeah. But <laughs> enough about me. Uh, <laughs> um, but but clearly, these characters in Romeo and Juliet. Uh, were meaningful to you mm-hmm. and the Verona seems to have become Brooklyn mm-hmm. well that's where I was yeah. when I was working you know um, and I have a romantic sort of idea about Brooklyn just like anybody else I guess growing up when I did and that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to come here you mm-hmm. know um, and Same I wasn't I was, I was totally uh, into the, myth, the, myth, the mythology of New mm-hmm. York City and like it, it reveals itself in the mythology of this story. You know, like I, it's my adopted home. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah. um, I don't know. I guess the, all those things came together, and the kids in the street. It's like I remember. I just transplanted a little bit of 
you know, what I remember being and what I remember being around, you know, to the story as best as I could, you know. But then there's a little samurai. There's, yeah. There's, you know, well, there's, yeah, there's a lot there's of There's a lot of hip hop. It's like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> you there's, know? A, it's, I mean, it's just representing all the stuff <laughs> yeah. that I, that kind of. Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's the Mermaid Parade. It's yeah. Coney Island, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, but, but, uh, and there's this rich, rich language. Uh, um, the, the language in uh, the funeral, mm. the Petruchio's uh, mm. funeral. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious about that too because what little I know about Shakespeare. Black melodrama. Yeah, well, well <laughs> yes, but it's connected with, the, with right. the tragedy. I mean, it's this book is as beautiful as it is still a tragedy. Mm. Uh, and so the characters bear this weight, and the, as the reader, you know that their fate is ultimately, you know, where it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, and the funeral where the mother, you know, you know, it doesn't want them near the casket, mm. you know, because, you know, you're you're just part of the problem. Mm. Um, there's so much in this book that connects with, you know, the world we know, but in this, but you've created your own world, mm. you know, a world of like, you know, people who speak in Elizabethan hip hop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that have samurai swords mm. and who, but who, you know, tag buildings. Mm. So it, it's really rich. Their it's weapons really have to do with their personalities too. The swords are all different. That, yeah, that's yeah. another thing I noticed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought that was interesting. Like one of the things that, <clears throat> when I got a little bit older, I was into Shakespeare for was like, I mean, it's the language, like sort of language jokes. So like characters who speak in certain sonnet form, it betrays a little bit of their personality. Yeah, you sure. Know? Mm-hmm. I thought that was dope. So like, I <laughs> wanted to, I wanted to sort of, I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to play around with that. Like, it's not, you know. I, I wanted to be reverent, but at the same time, it's like if you if you take Shakespeare too seriously, I think you're kind of missing the point. You know, like it's supposed to, you know, it's very playful, which is like mm-hmm. even the most serious hip hop has like a playful bend to it, or at least my favorite hip hop always has sure. like a playful bend to it. Sure, it's like it's like the jester, like the jester can say the most wildly flagrant, outlandish, mm-hmm. you know, things, even in the presence of the king, because he's got that little bit of flavor that's you know right. humor. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, even in in, uh, in there, isn't there? There's a scene in hip hop where, uh, in, excuse me, in uh, um, in Prince of Cats, uh, whether at Coney Island is it um, is it Mercutio or uh, the duo uh, Gregory? And, oh uh, yes, where they where where she's like they're where doing the dozens yeah, where yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. they're like going at each other yeah, while you in the yeah they're doing the dozens and in the Elizabeth yeah. Ethan, like yeah. hip hop street is like yeah. a, really a riot. So yeah. I'm glad you like you got that all this. There's a lot of flavor, but let's and and because we uh, I could talk all day, mm-hmm. but visually it's just a strike striking book uh, the color i mean you have such bright colors in it but it's you know ultimately it's a mordant tale it's a tale mm. of tragedy that you know this inevitable fate that facing these characters mm. but you manage to have this really glossy color that doesn't look out of place mm. uh and of course the drawings every page there are some pages that you just want to stop and stare uh like that the scene over coney island when they're up in the uh mm. the first will and you see the city spread out underneath them I mean, so much of um, as much as it, 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 you—it's such a balanced effort. The drawing is as brilliant as the writing. That, uh, you know. Well, I mean, I was interested in theater too. Like one of one of the things I thought about, you know, <clears throat> not so deliberately, but a big influence on me is like um, this director Suzuki Seijun, and like how he brings in theatrical elements in like genre stories, and they, they could be tragic. Like uh, he's got this one. Um, Tokyo Nagaremono, which is like it's a musical, 
but it's a musical about this Yakuza guy mm. who um, ends up having to run from place to place because I think he's on the outs with his, uh, his boss. And there are these people trying to kill him. And it's like he can shoot people that are a certain distance. He, he can't miss. You know, and every time, every time he's like moving from place to place or when he walks into uh, a room, he's got this... Da 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 da. He'll whistle it or he'll sing it. Sometimes he's just walking in the wind, singing the theme song, you know. And like I thought that was dope. And it's like you know, what's his face? Tarantino ripped a few things from him with like the the silhouette in the background, and then like I guess in Kill Bill where they're you know he. I mean he's using these theater theatrical tricks and devices to tell the story and I wanted to do that with comics too because like you know each page is a stage like each um and sure. and Prince of Cats like the pages I you know there's a bit of rhyming going on there yes. like layout rhyming like so I wanted to I wanted to use theatrical elements you know things that were actually in you know that Shakespeare was playing with in the process of the book and that was like something that was very important to me and at one point I remember I think it was Jonathan Vankin. He was like, yeah, you know, that's really the, interesting. The editor of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, one of the my first editor on it. He's like, yeah, you know, I think he was like, yeah, just don't, don't, you know, talk about that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> like, it's a hard, it's maybe a hard sell, you know. Um, well, you know, I, I mean, we could talk about this mm. on, on uh, this is a wonderful book. I want to, I want to segue into some other things mm. that you've been you've been doing um i know uh um well you did the um the ray ray, ray bradbury adaptation and i'm i'm actually depressed to hear that it's already out of print yeah. it wasn't that long ago yeah. but uh something this way we could come how, how did that how did that particular work come oh about? man thank you have an agent yeah my agent bob mccoy put yeah he hooked it up man i was about to starve Oh yeah! Shout out to Bob. Yeah, shout out to Bob Mikoy. Um, and he got me that job. And uh, you know, like I was like, I mean, the fans are probably gonna want to kill me. Like, I wasn't a real big fan of Ray Bradbury. Like, mm-hmm. um, and that's like what fans never want to hear when someone does an adaptation. <laughs> you know, so like. Um, and I picked it up, and I saw like the story. I thought it was. It could be dope. Plus, Pam Greer was in the original uh, film adaptation. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. I keep your can't make you pay her. attention. Right. Can't even hide on <laughs> all that makeup. Can't even hide on <laughs> uh, But like, yeah, so. And I, I thought of it as being an opportunity for me to try out some things. Um, unfortunately, uh, I didn't get to do some of the things with the script that I wanted to do. Because like, if Prince of Cats is about some of the uh, inner city things that I've dealt with like I thought something wicked this way comes could have been at least visually some of the things I've dealt with in the suburbs and like I you know I wanted to set it in like a like late 80s early night or early 90s sort of suburbia mm-hmm. you know like with these kids who are kind of you know a little bit nirvana or like Pixies are like you know what I mean, like yeah, these yeah. types yeah, of yeah, kids yeah. Yeah. who are li- who are like kind of these counterculture kids. But one is square and one of them is cool, you yeah, know. Yeah. And have like just visually though, not you know I, all of the language the yeah. same. But I don't think they were digging on that no, too yeah. much. So I did I did the best of my ability to kind of capture what they wanted, which I feel was like something closer to the Disney version. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's so many interesting themes in it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still like the farther I get away from it, the more I actually like what I did on it. Yeah. When I first finished, I felt I had compromised so much. I was really vexed. I'm going to yeah. be real. Like, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was really but, vexed. I, and I actually, I'm sorry. I actually have not read it, but I, which I am going to read it. So um, I will read it then, yes. man. Yeah, right. I'll get it together then. Sorry, <laughs> I can do my homework. Um, but uh, and I'm going to say, because I want to just touch on some of the other projects you're working on. Now, the uh, the Run DMC comics, mm-hmm. the Daryl Making comics. Mm-hmm. What's what's the what's the deal about that? You're writing in this particular yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote, like, I did a couple doodles, but, like, I think my doodles are in the uh, the ash can, like, the first, first one. Um... Yeah, uh, that was another lucky sort of happening. Um, Edgardo reached out to me to do it, and he told me he had uh, Damian Scott on it, and I was like, "Bet, let's go," mm-hmm. you know. And um, I had done a panel with Daryl McDaniel's before, and like, you know, he's a legend, man. Mm-hmm. I, just to be on the same yeah, yeah. panel is dope, you know. I'm yeah, a part yeah. of that history now, yeah, like yeah. so. I was when given an opportunity yeah. to be a part of it again, I was like, "Of course," yeah. you know. So what's the what's the 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 plot of the uh, lead-off issue? Oh, the lead-off issue, basically, it takes you in, you know, from the perspective... I've seen some pages up online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the visuals are, are great. Oh, man. <laughs> the yeah. visuals are really great. Damien went in on it. Yeah, man. yeah. Like, and for the, for the next book, it's going to be crazy, because there's going to be, like... I know uh, Chase Connolly's working on it, um, and there are a bunch of other artists, too. Like, it... It sounds like it's going to be an ensemble yeah. cast that's going to blow things out of the water. It, the essential, the essential vibe of it is, uh, Daryl McDaniel's wanted to capture the energy that he experienced in in hip hop and in comics growing up, and like it's another, it's the other side of his experience. Like one side of his experience was in hip hop. The other side, he was like a really big comic book head. Mm. And I don't think those things are totally yeah. separated. Like when you look at the original, you know cats coming out you know like mm. their their whole vibe and energy from their dress to like their names it it, it drips with comics you know yeah. whether that's a a, a a synchronicity or like one borrowing from the other i don't know mm. but like it's there's certainly something resonating there so that's that's daryl's plan i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give too much but yeah, like right. expect to see a hero who um carries both of those legacies into into the the story. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. Uh, and now you're also working on. Um, you're going to be working with uh, Brandon Graham's prophet. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Ongoing that issue series. came out. That issue came out. So, well, it's wrapping up soon. Yeah. Like, that issue came out uh, a couple weeks ago. But like, yeah, that's um, that was a blast. Uh, Brandon gave me the opportunity to write, draw, and color an issue. Um, Polly Woe is doing the backup story, like a great young cartoonist. Um, <clears throat> And she ripped it. She really put in <laughs> like a very uh, bizarre and humorous backup strip. All so, right, all right. Um, but yeah, like that was a blast. I was really excited to work with Brandon again. You know, yeah. Profit is if you haven't heard of it, it's like Conan meets uh, Buck Rogers meets like I don't know. Yeah. And it was originally. Uh, 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 came up by uh, by Rob Liefeld yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, Brandon's kind of re reimagined it now because yeah, he flipped the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I need to read that too. I'm, I'm behind. I'm behind schedule on my okay, reading, man. but uh, we're gonna catch up. 
But you do so many other things. Illustration. Mm -hmm. You've done art direction. I, I saw some stuff with Calvin Johnson. The, oh, the yeah. Detroit Lions. I did something with, uh, yeah. Like this com his comic book advertising. Yeah, yeah. So for you, Nike. That was cool, man. And I did that. And I did some stuff with Criterion. I'm going to do some more stuff mm -hmm. with Criterion. Um, um, yeah, man. Like, So hopefully you, you're not starving anymore. No, well, rent is the <laughs> rent is too damn high. In yes, New York, well, we you know, know that. So like, we know that. You that's, have to. That's how you know it. you're in New York. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> the, yeah. Right now, sometimes that's the only way you're yeah, in New York. Yeah, yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's changing. But that isn't yeah. changing. And I have uh, actually, um, I have some things coming up soon. Like yeah, I'm working yeah. with like a, a legendary, another New York personality poet, Saul Williams. So like. Something's oh, going to yeah, be coming sure. from mm -hmm. us this year, too. So, like, he's back in the scene doing Bet. amazing right. things. He's back in New York, too. So, welcome back, Saul. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm going to... We, we, we've sort of come full circle here. I'm going to go back to the Brooklyn Book Fest. I mean, that was a really... I mean, that panel was terrific for all of the cartoonists. Mm -hmm. But I was in particular... In particular, I mean, how they, the crowd responded to you and your work. And also, to I think you're retelling, uh, you know, the... The, the stories of hip-hop that connected so immediate to, to the audience, not just in your work, but just uh, with you as kind of an, an informal historian. Mm. Um, <laughs> Very informal. Yeah, well, you know, but, 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 but mm. you were clearly on, a, on, a, uh, on the same wavelength mm. as the audience. I finally had to tell everybody that they, they had to ask questions to everybody else on the panel. So, yeah. you, well, I mean, you, made a, you made an impression. I needed that energy, man. When the audience reaches out to me, like, that's great, man, because, like, yo, we're not MCs. I mean, we're not MCs in the sense that, you know, when we call, we don't get a response. We might be, might get a response at, like, a, a con or something. So, like, that's our chance to kind of absorb all of that audience energy. And it's, like, it's really important, you know, because sometimes, I don't know, especially if you have a voice that maybe you don't, you don't really see, maybe you don't see the numbers, maybe you don't see the audience, and maybe publishers don't see the audience. To have those people come out and express that they they were amped by what I had done was really powerful for me. It's like, yo, I I draw on it every time I sit down to draw. You know, like it's important. You know, I mean, that's why I'm that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I I'm not in comics to you know I'm not in comics to perpetuate the legacy that's already been out there. And when I do, it's to eat. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like to have people show me that they appreciate me trying to do something different and represent something different is priceless. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't uh, come up with a better point to kind of draw this to a close. Mm -hmm. So it's terrific. So Ron Wimberly, thanks so much oh, for coming thanks, on More man. to Come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It was a pleasure for me too.